Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff, and I'm your host. I'm the founder of Divorced Girl Smiling, the company that connects people facing divorce with trusted, vetted divorce professionals. We're also a podcast, a website, a mobile app, and you can sign up for my free consult. Before we get started, I want to take a minute and ask you, are you considering mediation in your divorce? If so, I would highly recommend divorce mediator Michael Cohen. What I love so much about Michael is he's really creative in thinking outside the box of solutions that will work for both you and your ex and of course your kids. So if you want to learn more, you can find him at michaelsmediation.com or in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. One of the most touchy things about a divorce, I think, is child support. For some reason, people who have to pay child support, in my opinion, really, you're walking on eggshells when it comes to this. There's so many emotions that go into paying child support. A lot of times it's not even about the money. People just have these bad feelings, negative emotions, they're angry, they're resentful, and they don't want to pay. So a few months ago, I did a podcast called The Touchy Subject of Child Support, and it's a really good podcast, but I didn't get into the nuts and bolts of what child support is, what it means, how it's calculated, and some more specific things. And that's why I wanted to have this podcast today and have a great guest to talk about this. With me today is divorce attorney Bonnie Rabinovich Mantel. She's a San Diego-based attorney who's been practicing divorce law since 2006. Bonnie is amazing. She is so compassionate, so knowledgeable, so experienced, and really, really knows what she's talking about including child support. So hi, Bonnie. Hi, Jackie. It is such a pleasure to be here today. And thank you ha for having me on your podcast. I am so excited to see if I can't clarify some of these child support issues for you. Okay. The listeners are really going to appreciate this, Bonnie, because when you go through a divorce, especially if it's a first divorce and there's kids involved, you don't really know what you're talking about. You don't even, I had never really heard the term child support. I mean, if you, you know, I was like blissfully married, young, happy. I didn't know anybody that was divorced. So when I got divorced, that was a new term for me. Oh, what's child support? How much am I going to get? So in the article that you wrote on your website, I'm going to quote you as saying that child support is designed to ensure the well-being and financial stability of children after the separation or divorce of their parents. And then you said in San Diego, child support laws are very complex and they depend on each family's unique circumstances. So I know that you are a divorce attorney in California. And so you can only talk about the laws, you know, in California. But I want my listeners to know that there's going to be a lot of things in this podcast that pertain to all over the country. So, Bonnie, just tell me, help me understand child support. Okay, so first and foremost, in California, just like in 
every single state in the union, child support is calculated based on a statewide uniform guideline. The reason the legislature, the federal government, had decided that each state needs to have this guideline is to ensure the primary focus of every state is making sure their children are taken care of and that they don't essentially become wards of the state, you know, requiring state aid. So in California, you are right, I am a certified family law specialist in California. And so I can really only talk to what the processes are in California, but I can say that across the states, they all have a very similar guideline calculator. Yes. And what that takes into account is your gross income, not your net income. So whoever's listening to this, it's not your take-home pay that the world wants to consider. It is your gross pay. Now, while inherently that seems unfair, wait a minute, I don't get to spend my gross pay. I only get to spend my net pay. On this, The calculator does account for the standard taxation that that gross income would engender. It doesn't take into account your personal effective tax rate because we all have different things that we do with our taxes that either help or hinder us and the state doesn't care. So they focus on your gross income. That's the first thing. Wait, Bonnie, I'm going to interrupt you and ask, if you are giving child support from your gross income, do you get a tax break for that? No, you do not. <gasps> oh, okay. Child support is neither deductible on your taxes as a expense, nor is it includable in the income of the recipient. So you know when you like apply for things like a car loan or whatever, and it says you may include your child support as part of the consideration. They can't say you have to because you don't have to. They're not declaring. So it's your gross income. It's not deductible or includable. And then another factor that's for consideration is the timeshare. So obviously the closer to equal timeshare that you have with your children, the more, the less support you will have to pay than if you have less time with your children. The way the state understands that is if one party is taking on the laboring or of parenting these children and providing food, clothing, shelter, they need more help than somebody who's more equally splitting their children. In California, we have a program that you input the data points and it spits out the number. Now, obviously, there are certain things that the court, that the calculator will consider. Somebody could decide to defer parts of their gross income for their 401k and other such items, which make your gross income look like less. No, we're going to capture that. <laughs> now, people listening might think this sounds really unfair. What if both parents work? Does that go into the table too? Absolutely. It's both parents' gross income, both parents' uh, timeshare, and both parents' other data points. It's not one-sided. It is absolutely. And the the good thing about this is if let's say one of your one spouse is the stay-at-home spouse, 
Well, that doesn't give them the right to earn zero income forever. You, we often see courts imputing, imputing, considering as if you've earned this money, even though you haven't, minimum wage. There are often litigation about the capacity to earn. So somebody who just decides I'm getting divorced and I'm going to sit down and not do anything, that's not necessarily going to help them in if they've traditionally been earning X, Y, or Z. That is very, very good to know because I think there's people listening who might feel you know, angry when hearing this, like, oh, is my spouse going to be rewarded for being a stay-at-home mom? But the thing is, the other side of the coin is, well, she quit her job to stay home and raise the kids. So that is always a big source of contention in a divorce, don't you think? It is. There are two things with that. If Obviously, if you've been married less time, and so she quit her job less time ago, assuming it's she, forgive me for that stereotype, um, then you're going to have a better ability to say, well, she was earning, she only quit two, three years ago, she could still be earning. The other side of the point is if you've been in a long-term marriage and your kids are 16 or 17 and it was an agreement of the house that one of you was going to stay home, it's going to be a little harder to argue for any more than minimum wage because you've been out of the workforce for quite some time. And what you were able to do 15 years ago, you may need retraining or time. I mean, the world has changed significantly in, in that span of time, just computers alone. So there are considerations, but the formula is deemed or presumed to be accurate. And you only get really deviations from the guideline when you have high income earners. So for example, somebody like Trump would be paying on his divorced children much more than a reasonable need and could possibly argue against paying, I don't know, $100,000 a month in child support because a child does not need $100,000 a month. You did raise an interesting point about rewarding the other parent. And this is why I think people really hate child support. If the payor of child support was able to guarantee that the money would go to the child and be used for what it is intended, food, clothing, shelter, basic needs, you'd have a lot less griping about it. But the problem is, is the payor gives the check to the payee. If the payee chooses to buy Birkin bags or jelly beans or Rolex watches or whatever, you have no right to ask them to account. None. And so a lot of payors find that the other side is squandering that child support because either they don't really need it or because they're not using it for the kids, but there's no requirement to account. You don't have to say, I bought little Johnny these shoes and I bought little Sarah this dress and I paid for little. And then there's the add ons to child support. You see, you're not just done. Once you pay the baby amount of child support in California, you have a mandatory add-on for unreimbursed medical expenses. So little Johnny needs a doctor's appointment. It's a $40 copay. You're on the hook for 20. Little Johnny needs medicine, medication. You're on the hook for half. Orthodontia, you're on the hook for half. 
counseling as a result of this divorce. You're on the hook for half. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with Jackie Pilisoff. I'm your host. I'm here today with divorce attorney Bonnie Rabinovich Mantel. She is out of California and she's been practicing law since 2006. We're talking about child support and we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how mediation might play into the child support issues. We're going to talk about enforcement of child support, and then we're going to get a little bit more into the emotional aspects of child support. We will be right back. Co-parenting isn't easy. Trying to communicate with an ex about the kids' schedules, expenses, and the divorce itself can feel awkward, frustrating, and stressful. Well, guess what? The app Our Family Wizard can take this stress away and make co-parenting so much easier. I truly wish I would have known about Our Family Wizard when I was getting divorced. Our Family Wizard is an app that's used by more than a million parents and family law professionals, all who want to keep everything on the same page with their ex-spouse or their clients. I'm talking about shared calendars, expenses, messaging, files, and other critical family information. People often say to me, I don't like dealing with my ex. Well, guess what? Our Family Wizard makes it so much easier. Everything you both put into the app is kept on record, so it encourages both people to be amicable and fair. It also lets you put in all your expenses, so now your ex can see exactly to the penny what you're spending on the kids. This reduces resentment so much because people can actually see where their child support payments are going. I cannot say enough about Our Family Wizard. It's a great app, it's very affordable, and it will make your life so much easier and better. To learn more, go to ourfamilywizard.com. I also wanna take a minute to recommend a wonderful divorce attorney in Massachusetts. Her name is Katherine Becker Good, and she's been an attorney for over 30 years. And I've known her for a while now, and I just think the world of her. She prefers to settle cases through mediation. She's very calm. She's very positive. She's delightful. So if you want to learn more about Katherine Becker Good, you can find her on her website at cbgoodlaw.com or in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff. I'm your host. I'm here with Bonnie Rabinovich Mantel. She's a divorce attorney out of San Diego, California. Bonnie and I are talking all things child support. Okay, Bonnie. I just mentioned mediation before the break. Do you see clients settle for different amounts of child support in mediation? How does that work? Well, mediation is actually a large part of my practice because if I can get people to settle even one issue versus going to court and litigating it, you'd be surprised how much better that is for their own journey through this process and also their emotional well-being. The more you can decide for yourself instead of some third person who gets to see your case for 30 or 40 minutes um, seems to be a, a better idea. So in child support how that works. Again, I mentioned before the break, we have this statewide guideline. The guideline, as I mentioned, is presumptively correct. 
So in order to mediate around the guideline, because sometimes the guideline is not affordable, you, because it's based on gross income, by the time the payor pays the child support, he or she himself has $8 left for the month and can't live themselves. And I often get the question, well, what am I supposed to do? And unfortunately, I have to say, figure it out, because that's what the judge ordered. So yes, in mediation, if both parties are willing to compromise and understand the reality that you're now paying from for two households out of the same pot of money, the pot of money didn't change. You just now have two sets of expenses. People can negotiate child support. And as long as all the formalities about why we're deviating from guideline is put in, it will be accepted. But usually, when somebody sees that guideline number, it's hard to move them from that perch because, as I said before the break, we get that entitlement. And, well, if it's the guideline and it's presumptively correct, I'm entitled to this. So you have to be willing to move off your position for any mediation to work. All right, let's talk about a case where people don't want to pay child support and that's the reason they're going for more custody hours. Because the what made me think of this is if you're in mediation, you could say to your spouse, listen, I know that you want 50-50 custody, but I think you want it for the wrong reasons. What I'm saying to you is I will take the kids I would like to have most of the custody. We can come up with a schedule that you're comfortable with, and I'd be willing to take less child support. Does that ever happen? Often. Sure. You can agree that let's say you're going to calculate child support based on spouse A having um, 40%, when in reality, spouse A has 20%. If you put it in and the guideline comes up with the number, there's nobody from the courthouse who's knocking on the door going, hey, did you have little Johnny today? There's nobody doing that. So as long as all the boxes are checked, you can get away with doing exactly that. Okay, let's move on to enforcement. So what happens when someone doesn't pay? I actually like enforcement because it has ripple effects. and. So somebody doesn't pay, I file a motion for enforcement. And what's nice is if I have to enforce a valid court order, I get to request that every single one of my client's fees are paid by the others. And Did there's codes. They usually get it? Oh, and there are codes that provide for it. It's mandatory. Now, whether or not they get every single dollar, again, judges are, have discretion, but you know that you're not just going to court and lose all that money. You're going to court. The only reason you have is because he won't, he or she will not do what the order already was. And that's unreasonable. And that's why, you know, it has those ripple effects because judges do have memories. And if you're coming back, let's say you are the payer of child support and you're not paying, but you're coming back to ask for more time. Mm, I wouldn't do that. Talk to me about garnishing wages. What percentage of the cases that you have do you th estimate 
has their wages garnished so they can't not pay because it just garnish means it comes right out of your paycheck. Um, I would say a good 50%, but there's a caveat in that. You can only garnish wages. So what do you do with the self-employed individual? You can't garnish that. So that and way- if the person loses their job, then what You happens? can't garnish that. Mm -hmm. What they are supposed to do, it says it on the back of all those garnishment forms, is when the person is terminated and gets a new job, they are supposed to actually tell them that there's a garnishment in place. The one thing that is nice about the state enforcement, that is what a garnishment is, is the state is now enforcing your child support. Is they have the right to put a lien on your bank account. They have a right to take your driver's license so you can't get to work. They have a tri right to also take your passport. And there's an automatic in California, 10% annual simple interest on what you owe. So I've had cases where somebody didn't pay the principal would be like $17,000 in child support, but the interest was like $84,000. California is a liberal state with respect to, because they don't want the children on, on EBT and WIC and state aid. If, they, if somebody goes to apply for state aid, they will go and see if there is another parent with a pocket and the state will file their own motion for child support. Bonnie, if you can believe it, we're almost out of time. This went by so fast. You're a great guest. I want to end with what I said at the beginning, and I want your opinion on it. Do you think that child support isn't always about the money, the, the resentment that people are feeling, even from the wealthiest people, they don't want to pay? Do you agree with that? And why do you think? I think it's more with spousal support, that absolute vehemence against paying. Child support, I do believe, or at least in my practice, most people understand that they need to take care of their kids. And these kids are minors. They didn't ask for the divorce. They're not part of the decision, but they still need to be provided for. And they get to enjoy all your successes in your life. So it can be emotional, especially when you've got somebody who's underemployed or hiding their employment or purposefully not employed in order to raise the support that they receive. But that's not an individual not wanting to pay for their children. It's an individual not necessarily wanting to be manipulated by a vindictive spouse. Or in the case where, let's say, one person left the person who has to pay the child support and that person didn't want the divorce. So now the person is getting divorced, even though they didn't want it. Maybe their husband or wife has another spouse that they left them for, and they still have to pay them child support and give them half of everything. And I think that's the real cases when people have a huge problem with child support. So what I want to tell my listeners is that it's not always about the money. I mean, most times it is, but there are cases where you have to look beyond and say, why does my ex really not want me to, to pay me? What is going on? And a lot of times it's about resentment and anger. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I get that, especially in the cases that you've described, they've been left for somebody else. They didn't want the divorce, but by the same token, their children didn't want the divorce either. And they still need what they need, which can only come 
from that one pot. And it's stressful. A lot of people don't want to pay because they're stressed. They have anxiety. I'm not going to have a, enough money. I'm not going to be able to retire. We all know that fear and anxiety turns into anger and resentment and being mean and maybe not paying just to, you know, stick it to your ex one month, not pay, whatever. That happens a lot. And that affects the kids. If Absolutely. you don't pay and the recipient is relying on it for rent, food, whatever, that affects because that creates anxiety in the recipient. It's all bad. <laughs> if it's not handled correctly, it can be all bad. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for being on the show. If you liked what you heard from Bonnie and you live in California and you want to work with her or contact her for a consultation, you can find her at her company website, which is primusfamilylaw.com, or you can find her in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. Jackie, it was my absolute pleasure. I'm sure now, you know, child support is clear as mud. But again, like you said, if anybody has any questions about San Diego family child support, you can also reach me directly at 619-574-8000. And I do offer a free 30-minute free phone consultation to see how me and my firm can help you with these issues. Love it. And on that note, if you want to find Bonnie and other trusted vetted divorce professionals, Come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. You can also listen to more podcasts, read articles, download my mobile app, or take me up on my free consult. So thanks again for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you real soon.